Welcome to Plants in Our Health. I'm Tom. I'm Helena. I'm Aaron. So uh, what new theme are we covering for the next two episodes, Aaron? Okay, so this theme is going to be a bit different from the other ones we've had so far. We're going to be looking at plant health itself, because plants, they're obviously important with their many uses for us, but they're also important in their own right, and their health is really much more relevant to our everyday lives than we probably give credit. So, I mean, at least until I was interviewing for these episodes, there was certainly a whole lot that I didn't know. That sounds really fascinating. So who is joining you this week then? So this week our guest is Dr. Katie Hayden. She's a researcher and the plant health lead at the Royal Botanic Garden Edinburgh. Um, So we'll be diving into how she protects the plants in the gardens from pests and pathogens and why plant health is so important itself and why it's something that we all have a bit of responsibility to think about. Amazing. Cool. That sounds great. Let's jump in. Welcome to the podcast, Katie. Do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Katie Hayden. I'm a researcher at the Royal Botanic Garden in Edinburgh. I work in plant diseases and in the evolutionary ecology of plants and pathogens. And quite a big part of your role is caring for plant health in the gardens as well. And the topic we're going to be discussing today is after we have looked at all of the uses of plants in providing us with food and medicines and mental health support throughout the whole series so far. We're now going to turn to plant health itself and hopefully you'll be able to demystify some of the ideas around plant health and give us a bit more context as to why it's so important. Sure. Yes, my role includes acting as the quarantine or plant health officer for the garden. So part of what I do is help us in the garden both comply with with laws and regulations around plant health and also just help to ensure that what we're doing is the best practice in terms of research and really just optimizing what we're doing to keep our plants and the environment healthy. And when we're talking about plant health, it might might seem kind of obvious, but what does that uh, entail? Yeah, I think it's actually... That is a deeper and more interesting question than it might seem at first, because plant health isn't just the absence of plant diseases, because you can look at plant health on a scale from the individual plant to the health of a species or the health of a population or community. And of course, if we're looking at an individual plant, to be healthy means to be free of disease, which is defined as any physiological defect or injury or something's not quite working right where the cells aren't doing what they should do and the plant can't grow and reproduce as it should. However, plant diseases also play important roles in natural communities. So they help ensure biodiverse communities. If you had, say, a species without any natural enemies, you can imagine it would just take over a community and would become a weed. So in that sense, it's not necessarily the absence of disease. In the garden, what what I do is help to ensure that we are doing what we can to keep the plants that we're conserving, 
in the con best conditions that they can be in. It's where our horticulturist skill is really, really important to help them to make sure that they have the abiotic conditions that they need and also to make sure that they can be resilient to any pests and pathogens that they encounter here in the UK. Mm -hmm. So really, if we didn't have people like you at Botanic Gardens, we would be able to care for plants with the horticulturalists, but the plants would be at a much higher risk, wouldn't they? They could be. And actually, one of the biggest issues with ex situ conservation, which is what we do, where we take plants out of their na native habitats, um, which might even be in Scotland, but could be anywhere in the world and bring them into the garden to propagate them. One of the biggest threats there is that we know that when you move plants, it's really difficult to not bring their microbial associates with them. And as I've just said, plant diseases, which can be caused by pests and pathogens, are an important part of plant communities. And so we have to be really, really careful when we bring these plants from their communities that we don't bring their pests and pathogens with them. While they can be important and not necessarily very harmful in their home environments, when they're moved to someplace new, they find new hosts that haven't encountered them before. And as we've seen with, you know, in the past year, when pathogens can move from one group of hosts where they are relatively harmless into a new one, they can emerge into epidemic conditions. Yeah. And I wondered, actually, if your role does involve, you were saying it's difficult to make sure that pathogens don't move from one place to another when you're moving plants with them. But because sometimes associations are beneficial for plants between microbes or bacteria, do you ever try to create conditions that ensure that these favorable bacteria can thrive with the plants? We have not, we would not do that for microbes from another area. We do have some staff who are doing precisely that with rare orchids and other plants from within Scotland because that's really important. But one of the uh, paradoxes that we have to reckon with is that microbial associates of plants aren't always pathogens or always mutualists. There's you know, these symbionts, which are microbes that exist with other organisms. You see the symbiotic interactions can slide on a scale from beneficial to harmful to one of the associates. And so while it might continue to be neutral or beneficial to the plant in the new environment, we can't be sure that it won't, we can't necessarily be sure that it won't be harmful on another plant that it might suddenly encounter or in another environment. So it's a really, really interesting area of research. And I think one that we would like to look into quite a bit more because, as you say, these communities are important and can help keep plants healthy and are important for conservation. And these microbes actually are probably important to conserve on their own. And so it's something that we need to look at in the future and we need to do it very carefully. And when you work on research that's somewhere in between plant health as a practice and the evolutionary focus of your research, do you ever look at investigating the best ways to care for plants and to ensure that their microbes are not moving around and all these plant health practices? 
Yes. In recent years, um, most of my research really has been just at this intersection and really quite practically based just at the moment, really just gathering data on the communities that we find in planted environments and in horticultural environments. And as we go forward, we can we can use these to, to understand better how pathogens move with their hosts and what allows them to move into new communities or what can actually prevent that. And conversely, how we can build plant communities for conservation that are resilient to new pests and pathogens, either either that are newly arriving or that are growing and becoming a, a new problem. Mm-hmm. And I think your job is quite a busy one, isn't it? Does your job involve quite a lot of different activities that you sort of have to keep on top of? Yeah, it's actually it's it's really enjoyable. I really do enjoy that I work with different parts of the garden and I work really really tightly with with horticulture who have taught me an awful lot about plants in cultivation and what keeps them healthy and then also working with science as well as teaching and doing inspections and interacting with regulatory processes and individuals. So would you be able to, maybe it's too difficult, but would you be able to give us a sort of blow by blow of what a plant health and research morning might look like for you? Oh gosh. So I wake up and I go into the garden. I <laughs> didn't go into the garden so much just now. But. Well, just now I'm not doing so much, but yeah, if on a normal day, I would, for example, go into the garden and I might meet an inspector from SASA and Scottish government um, who do quarterly inspections of our collections and our quarantine house. So we might go through there. I might in other times meet with the quarantine supervisor and horticulture to inspect plants that are either going into quarantine or going out of quarantine. When we have plants come into quarantine, they need to stay for a full year minimum, and we need to ensure that they're free of any signs or symptoms of pests or disease on entry and on exit. I might be taking some samples from those. I might be doing some diagnostics of issues that we've seen, in which case I would go back into the lab. I might be meeting or talking with one of the great volunteers that we have who has been absolutely fantastic in maintaining collections of Phytophthora species, which are particular pathogens that we've collected. Might be meeting with students, might be teaching classes. Um, We teach the mycology course for the University of Edinburgh and RBGE Masters in Plant Taxonomy and Biodiversity course. And uh, might be writing papers, talking to collaborators, so on. Yeah, it sounds like you could just keep going on and on. It sounds like a lot of fun, though. Was plant health ever a direction that you just decided, I definitely want to go here um, in my career? Or was it something that you were led towards through other areas? Because it wasn't introduced to me, even though we'd study topics related to it as a career you can really follow. But I think through the research that I'm doing and talking to you, you know, I'm finding out that there are a huge diversity of roles within plant health as a career. And I, I guess I'd kind of be interested in finding out how you got to where you are. Yeah, I would definitely encourage you to look into that. I got interested in it through 
my undergraduate research supervisor. And I did a, a final year honors thesis with Ingrid Parker at University of California, Santa Cruz. And her background was plant ecology. And she worked in plant and species interactions. And so it was through that, well, through the research with her that I really found species interactions to be so interesting. From there, I also worked with her partner, Greg Gilbert, who works on the fungal side of those species interactions and came to really appreciate how much I enjoy looking at the unseen, at the, at the little the small drivers. What are the forces that we might not always observe that are driving evolution and driving processes that we see in, in the world? I did my PhD at University of California, Berkeley, in the Department of Environmental Science Policy and Management with Matteo Garbalato. And the focus of that program is very much on science that can help society now. So really using, using research and science to address questions that are important for managing emerging problems, for, for dealing with climate change, for dealing with many of the changes that are coming with increased globalization and global movement of plants, which is precisely what I'm doing now. And that's how I got into it. I never thought I would be, you know, a plant health officer at a botanic garden. I had no idea. But I was doing a postdoc in France at INRA, which is the Agronomic Research Institute of France, and saw the ad for this position here at the garden. And it described precisely that kind of a role, that kind of using science now to solve important problems. Yeah. And so just last year, and I think it's still ongoing now, is the International Year of Plant Health. And that's, is it the Food and Agriculture Organization? That's, and, and it's the UN that have declared this. And um, I've wondered, is the Botanic Gardens, how are they interacting with this? And are you doing anything to celebrate it? Or do you have certain aims to do with the International Year of Plant Health? Yes, we've been, well, it's been, it's been a little bit scuppered from, um, with the pandemic. We have had, have had public interpretation that was up in the John Hope Gateway for just a little bit before everything got shut down. But we have hosted an exhibit from Scottish government for the year of plant health. The International Year of Plant Health has been extended until June, through the end of June of this year, which is great. So we might be able to get a bit more interpretation out there. This past year was also the Botanics 350th anniversary. And in celebration of that, we had a conference. We hosted a conference along with Plant Network, um, which is an organization for conservation horticulture in the, in the UK, celebrating excellence in horticulture. And for that, we hosted a special session with the International Plant Sentinel Network from Botanic Gardens Conservation International. And this session focused on biosecurity and growing from seed which is really the next issue that we need to concentrate on and a really important one. And there should be there should be a paper coming out of that session. There were some great talks and hopefully the paper will be available in coming months. And this issue of biosecurity and growing from seeds, does that mean 
if you're taking seeds, I don't know, is that from the wild and the risks that that might carry when you're planting them elsewhere? Yes, that's exactly right. We're well aware. I think people should be well aware at this point of the risks of bringing whole plants and especially rooted plants from overseas and growing them in a new location. I think what's less well known are the risks that can come from the seeds themselves. Tubers are a really high risk. So if people are ordering tubers on the internet from wherever, they should know that they might well be bringing virus and other diseases that could actually be really dangerous in in the UK. But seeds themselves can carry insects and fungi and virus, nematodes even, and, and can be a real problem. And so you're saying that's sort of the next thing that is that one of the next big things that plant health as a community is looking at? And if so, what's the progress that people are looking towards to prevent those risks? Yeah, I think it's from practical measures. I think, like I said, people have often thought of it as being relatively low risk. And we really just need to shift it into the medium to high risk category. People are using x-rays to look at seeds, but doing things like just being very careful that the seeds themselves are clean and not to bring the fruit with them as much as possible to leave cones and fruit pods, seed pods and things like that behind to inspect them on entry and even growing within a controlled environment at the start to be sure that they're not, you know, uh, spreading fungi as they grow. I think for the general public, just being sure that you're buying from reputable reputable suppliers, that they've come through regular commercial sources rather than, you know, there certainly are underground networks of trade in seeds and tubers and plants, and, and those can be quite dangerous. They really need to be looked at with care. Mm-hmm. And I think plant health is a way we can, as consumers and as the public, can think about also not just having plants in your home, but caring for plants and caring for nature in a way it's it's an almost an environmentalist idea even though it's a a very practical thing that you work on and what's sort of the current public understanding or maybe perspective on plant health and is that something that is changing through the international year of plant health I mean I hope so yeah I think so I think that um the risks have really become more apparent with, well, first with with Dutch elm disease, which has been devastating in a couple of different waves because there were actually two different species that caused two different waves of that disease, the second one being more serious than the first. And then with ash dieback, we really have seen what can happen when a pathogen that's harmless in its own own environment is moved to a new one. It can just emerge as this absolutely devastating disease that we see on the cycle paths around Edinburgh now. The ashes are just are really in trouble. And with um, sudden large death, sudden oak death in, in the States. So I think people are, are more aware now. And Xylella fastidiosa being, you know, the next big one that, that I think we need to be really concerned about. So I hope people are more aware. I hope people see are enjoying their gardens. And in this past year, it's become more important than ever to have places like the botanics that we can go locally and enjoy the outdoors, but have our own gardens and parks to grow and care for nature and 
for their own benefit and as habitat for insects and, and the small wildlife that live around us, even in the cities. So I hope people are more aware. I think that this past year, we've also, I think, gained a more intuitive understanding of what introduced and emerging diseases can do. And it doesn't just affect people. And that new diseases emerging on new hosts and new places can be devastating. And I hope people will take that to heart in caring for their plants as well. Yeah, absolutely. I hope so. Well, I think we're kind of running out of time. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing your your work and your perspective on plant health. It'll be a fantastic contribution to the podcast. Oh, it's been a real pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Plants and Our Health. If you'd like to follow up on anything Katie has shared with us today, you can reach her by email at khayden at rbge.org.uk. She's also on Twitter at kj, that's the letters kj, then heyj, h-a-y-j-a-y. And of course, make sure to come back again next week to hear more about plants and their own health, this time on a different scale. This episode of Plants and Our Health was produced by Aaron DeVere and brought to you by Not Another Science Podcast from the Edinburgh University Science Magazine, where we explore fascinating themes and ideas, talk to awesome researchers about their work, and find out about the science being done right here in Edinburgh. If you have any feedback for us, or if you'd like to get in touch with a question or a suggestion, you can reach us on our Facebook page, Edinburgh University Science Media, or at our Twitter, at USCI. That's at E-U-S-C-I. You can also shoot us an email at usci.podcast at gmail.com and you can see the show notes and leaf through the latest issue of the magazine at usci.org.uk. Not Another Science Podcast is hosted by me, Tom Edwick, and my partner in crime, Helena Cornu. The podcast manager is Alex Bailey. The podcast logo was designed by USCI chief editor, Apple Chu, and the tree-rific episode art for this series was designed by Heather Jones, our social media and marketing genius. Thank you for listening, and until next time, keep it leafy.